For full accident management support, including motor replacement, repairs and personal injury compensation claims, just search G4 Claims today. Uh, hi and welcome to this week's episode of the DW Podcast. I am joined by Lionel Lindsworth, former Motherwell player is the way that I would remember you, Lionel. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah I'm good. Yourself? Yeah, not bad at all. Not bad. Just yeah. before we, we started recording there, you're, you're saying you're down in London and you've obviously got your Liverpool top on, so can't be too <laughs> happy at the moment. Yeah, not uh, not too happy. You know what? I'm not going to lie. I asked the uh, fiancé to buy me the top. Um, I got the players' version and everything. And every time I wore it, Liverpool have lost. <laughs> <You're joking. laughs> and I put it on. I put it on reluctantly today, thinking, right, let me just see if it's just a joke. And it's turning out it's not a joke because we lost again. But you know, is what it is. And you move on. You move on. So, um, <laughs> were you a Liverpool fan as a kid then? Because correct me if I'm wrong, but were you brought up in Nottingham? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Nottingham born. Um, and I didn't start playing football until I was nine years old. Did kickboxing. Really? Um, yeah, did kickboxing for a couple of years before with my right. brother and sister. Um, and then I just, I, I fell into it by my brother playing. So he was playing and it was, right, I want to play. Let me play. And they wouldn't let me play. And then it got to the point where they would allow me to play. And it went on from there. Um, I enjoyed it. But my first ever football match I went to, I've been played for a Saturday uh, afternoon club, uh, Ball Rangers. Um was Forest v Liverpool at the City Ground. Okay. okay. And I was, you know, Pierre Van Oydonk and um, who, did, who else did they have? Uh, Robbie Fowler and people like that, obviously, they, you know, going against each other. And uh, Robbie Fowler got two goals. Um, they wore the cream kit, you know, the old oh, yeah. green badge and that. Okay. And uh, they won 2 1. And I was like, right, well, I'll follow them. Do you know what I mean? They would be the team that I support. So sure. I follow them. And, and it's stuck, you know, ever since. So. I mean, yeah. Nottingham Forest wouldn't have been too bad back then. You must have been getting pelters for the locals. Yeah, well, <laughs> to be honest with you, it wasn't until a little later on in my career that, well, I say my career, into my life that I actually got the opportunity to go to Forest, um, Notts County, and then Derby. Do you know what I mean? And obviously choosing Derby over hometown, Nottingham Forest or Notts <laughs> County. A brave man. A bit, yeah, I got a bit of stick from my friends and that, but, you know, you live and you learn, eh? What was it? What was it like going there at Derby? Because they were obviously a big club, and, and at that time, you know, you you were breaking through, and you were you were playing in the England setup as well. Yeah, yeah. So I went there, and um, we was at the old uh, base, at the old baseball ground, and um, I went to school, and it got to the point where they would I would only go to school three days a week. So obviously, to me, I'm 14 years old, just left Nottingham, gone to a new school, and thinking I only go to school three days a week. I'll take it, you know. Um, but they they um, they put faith in me at 15. I'd I got a one year scholar and a two year pro. Um, already sorted before I'd left and that was at 15 um, so it was it was good when I went there they had just come out of the premiership at the time and then an array of managers so by the time I left at 19 they'd just gone back up to the premiership right. you know so I was involved in in that uh, Wembley day uh, Giles Barnes scoring the you know the, the winner in that against West Brom and you know them getting promoted and it was it was amazing um, you know to be there and, and witness it as well uh, but yeah, it was a it was a nice time there, Derby. I really enjoyed it. Um, it taught me just about everything I knew. Um, I was actually a striker, and then I got moved by a by a very good coach here, Terry Wesley. You know, took me out of my comfort zone in the FA Youth Cup game and seen that I was quick and I could run. So that's where Lionel the winger came in. Yeah. Who were the big players then? Who who was there on the team that you know you looked up to or, or was maybe a bit intimidating in the dressing room? 
Um, you know what? You had um, you had your Michael Johnsons, you had your Seth Johnsons, uh, uh, Morton Biscard, um, who was a winger who I used to watch quite a lot. Very different to myself, so I didn't base my game off him, you know what I mean? But yeah, the, um, uh, it would have been an era of like Indigo Idiarquez, uh, Gregor's Raziak. You know, there's some there's some good... Mo Camera was there at a point and there's some good, good players there. So at that age, I probably didn't... I just wanted to play football, so I didn't really look at, oh, what can he do? What Because I didn't really understand it, if I was totally, if I'm totally honest with you. It wasn't until I was older, about 18, 19, that I thought, oh, actually, I really want to take this on, if I'm totally honest. So I never used to analyse or watch, but I always had two favourite players, first being Brazilian Ronaldo and second being Thierry Henry. Sure. You know, so I think, you know, scoring goals and stuff and the way they played... So, um, yeah, so that was, that. Was, I looked at a little bit of them, but never really went, oh, I want to be like them. I want to do what they do. But just, you know, it just happened as bad as it is. And you mentioned that, Lionel, because I think everyone in our generation probably, but their first favourite player internationally is probably Fat Ronaldo. Yep, that's it. And, and it's, it's harsh to call him Fat Ronaldo, but that's where he is now. Oh, it was incredible. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Oh, incredible. You know, he's, what a guy, what a player. And when you look back at some of the teams that he's played for and what he's done, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So um, he's someone that's, you know, good. Him and uh, obviously a few of his counterparts and the person that everyone probably plays football because of, Ronaldinho, you know, yeah. to play with them, to see them players playing together and stuff was absolutely amazing. What was it? What was the doubt in your mind then that you, you weren't sure if you wanted to be a football player? Because there's so many kids out there, especially now, that are thinking as soon as they're old enough to play football, that's what they want to do. I'm not sure. I think it might have been because I started late. I went into Derby County Academy at 14. Now, that's really late. Yeah. Um, and I didn't understand what it... I didn't understand football. I didn't understand... I knew I was going to live somewhere else. I seen it as a sleepover. I'm staying with another family and, you know, then I'm going to school and then football. So, But I didn't understand the severity of you could go and earn X amount of money by playing this sport. And it wasn't until, it wasn't until I was... I think it was until I got let go from Derby that I thought, no, actually, I want to take, I want to keep going. You know, you find yourself without a club and going on trial and you're thinking, what's, what's happening? And then it was from there that I thought, no, right, I want to do it. I need to do it. You know what I mean? I thought, I need to do it. Now I've got a phone bill to pay and, a, and you know, car insurance. So it was like, <laughs> but I didn't understand what it could have brought, you know, if I'm totally honest with you, and that one until 17, 18. What was that experience like when, when you move away from home and you're, you're staying with a family? Because... That must be hard having to go back there every night and they're making your dinner <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, it was um, it was strange. I, I seen it as a, like I say, as a sleepover, and I lived with a, um, a man called Rick and a woman called Haley and their son Courtney, who was seven at the time. Um, but there was also uh, one boy just moved out, and then there was a, a, a guy there that I, you know, I'm happy to call my friend, like lifelong friend now, uh, Faradin Kaduzovic, who's a very good footballer. I mean, if you look him up, very good Bosnian footballer. Um, and he lived there. So it was a little bit easier because someone was there and they were going where I was going and doing what I was doing. Um, but, you know, there would, there would be a couple of times, I, I mean, I don't think they'll thank me for this, but you go down to the fridge and you get a yogurt out or something. And then next week you go and you see a post-it note saying Courtney's yogurts and Courtney oh, juice. And this, you know, so yeah, at 14, you're sort of like, are you having a laugh? It's there, I'm having it, you know. But now nah, they were a lovely family. Um but yeah, no, it was, like I say, it was just like a big sleepover for me and, and just like an adventure. I don't think you'll, you'll uh, hate me for saying this, but you've, you've been all over the place, Lionel. You know yeah, no, uh, yeah, it's very true. No, I don't. I, I 
don't hate you at all. It's, <laughs> you know, what it is, is, is as you know, it's part of the job. Every person would love, every player, every woman playing football, every man, every child would love to be at the one club for life. Yep. Now, if it was myself, if I'd have found Hereford or Motherwell first, they would have been the clubs that I would have wanted to stay at like throughout. They would have been the only clubs and probably Derby, probably Derby, but probably the way, it, you know, you, I was involved and then it was just let go at such a young age. You don't know how to deal with it. So until you got a little bit, until I got a little bit older, I understood what a football club was about and the people that like wanted you there. So Hereford for me and Motherwell were the two places where I played my best football, like 100%. And the, the reason I bring that up is because I think at, at such a young age, you know, as a football player, moving to places like, where did you go, Bournemouth and down to Watford yeah. and, and all over the place, it's far away from home. Is, yeah. is there ever yeah. a time where you're thinking, I'm, I'm not sure if this is for me? Um, You know what? Not, it's crazy because it was me, I was 18. Well, first of all, when I was at Derby, I went, I went and done Darren Moore, um, Doncaster manager, a favour. Um, and I went and played for Halifax um, in... Uh, the conference, you know, for Wayne Jacobs and Chris Wilder, Sheffield United. Great guys, br- brilliant. To this day, Chris Wilder is one of the best managers, not not because of what he'd done on the pitch, but just how he was with you as a person. It was amazing. It was brilliant. Um, was he the and when, I went, when you went down there? Uh, he was the manager. Was he? Right. Yeah, Chris Wilder, Chris Wilder was, I'm not that old. <laughs> Chris, Chris Wilder was the manager and uh, Wayne Jacobs was his, his assistant. And, um, just traveling up to Halifax, I was like, I'm, I was in Nottingham and I was, it was my first ever loan. So I was in Derby, sorry. So I'd been to Nottingham to Derby. And then just driving up to Halifax was like, where on earth is this? Like, I'm going down there, up there, around there. And then next minute, something, the hotel just appears. And I remember being there and it's crazy as well. The hotel that I was in, done some lovely food downstairs, but they didn't have a fridge or anything for you to store your food in there. Yeah. They've opened the window. I'd have my milkshake out on the windowsill. Do you know what I mean? So, cool. so as I'm looking at this going, why is this place a bat? Do you know what I mean? I know it's a little thing, but I'm thinking, yeah. wow, this is this is different. Um, but yeah, so moving there at 18, well, moving up there at 18 to stay in a hotel um, was a little bit, it's different. Let's put it that way. It was a little bit different. And then, you know, they wanted to extend it, but then I had Wickham coming for me. And I, I didn't really think about going from there to there. It just happened. Um, and then the, the Bournemouth, like obviously going to Bournemouth. Now that was far, but once again, I live with, I stayed in digs with a man and woman just around the corner from the um, Goldstone Stadium. So it was, it just, it just was fine. You know, I never really got to the point where I was like, oh, I don't want to do this or that's far or whatever. Yeah. When you're driving a few times, like, oh, this could be closer. But that's other than that, I didn't really notice it, if I'm honest. Because right. I, I sometimes think, you know, there must be some young players out there that it breaks them. You know, they're so used mm. to being babied at home and, and their mum and dad's yeah. making their dinner or whatever, or their big brother and sister, that, you know, to move to the other end of the country is like, I can't handle this. That's, and that's the thing. There's, especially today, with obviously working in schools and, and with uh, Badu Sports that I work with, you see a lot of vulnerable kids. And I try and I try and let them know. Like I see kids at school that are oh, the footballers and they play for their academies and stuff. And I'm, you know, I see them sulking and stuff like this. And I'm like, you you lost the game of football in school. It means nothing. Yeah. Like I try to explain to them that I moved away at 14. You are now 10. That's four years away. What would you be able to do that? Would you be able to leave mum and leave dad 
and leave brothers and sisters and just go. Like there's a lot of people out there that nowadays, I'm not saying it didn't back in the day, but nowadays the mental side of it is bigger than the, like, physically doing it. You know, yeah. thinking I'm going to be away from all my friends and family. It's, it's like you moving down to London now, you probably love it, but in your mind, somewhere you're going, that is far, you know? So I think the mental side of it is massively. And a lot of people, a lot of kids do struggle and will struggle, you know, but obviously with everything that's happening and it's only rightly so that people have a platform to talk and they should, you know? So if that's one message I can put out there, mental health is a big thing, regardless whether it's a little thing or or whatnot, you need to, you need to talk. And Lionel, I think, you know, you'll see it firsthand from the the work that you're doing in schools at the moment, but I think when you were younger in comparison to now, you know, there's probably a lot more support there for kids. Because yeah. I think back then there was always this kind of, oh, you need to man up and get on with it attitude. Yeah, that's it. Don't, don't get me wrong. That's still there in, in some some way, shape or form. As we know, like you'll get some people, I'll just get on with it. But it's it's a lot different. Like people experience things differently now. And, you know, especially with this lockdown, it's it's really sad that I, I've gone for a walk with my um, girls today and, and my fiance and it's, it was nice, but it's like, are we really living in this? And even in my mind, I'm like, okay, I, I go to work, but I have to go protected. I'm still allowed to go football. How is that? How does that work? Yeah. You know, how am I allowed to go football still, but I can't be going shopping? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's really weird. And in my mind, it plays tricks. It's every day I wake up and I go, we are actually living in this world. And, you know, people will go through things. It's, it's one of the things I went to training for the other day and one, a boy that I knew from Dulwich. He, um, we were speaking and he just started talking about mental health straight away, you know, so the effects, the effects that it has are obviously can be devastating, you know, but the main thing is, is people are there now to talk to, you know, I'll put myself out on, on a forum of LinkedIn or on my WhatsApp or whatever that I'm here to talk to if you need to, you know, I'll put that out to absolutely anyone and I'd pick up the phone or I'd have a Zoom call, or I'd speak to you in person, I wouldn't mind at all, you know, so it is key that we have people to speak to. And, and you touched on it there, so we're as well talking about it at the moment, but you, you're in, playing in London and, and you're teaching as well. How, how's that going? Um, you know what? It was a bit of a transition coming back from um, Plymouth. Uh, coming back from Plymouth was a bit of a, a weird transition because for probably for about a month or so, like, the phone wasn't ringing. The phone didn't ring and, it, and it's not what I expected, if I'm honest. I expected at least a League Two club or two or three to give me a call. But as it is, didn't happen um so I went through a little bit of a patch where probably mentally I was all I've known is football all my life that's all I've known when I was up in Scotland I actually went and done a tiling and plastering course because it was yeah 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 so I can do tiling and plastering um, yeah yeah you're not wrong (laughs) um but yeah I went and done that through the um SFA and it was it opened my eyes to like I knew there was more out there but I thought football this is me football is from here to there I'm going to be good and it doesn't happen like that you know like I said the phone didn't ring after a while it was like I started to think now what you know what am I what am I good for what else can I do and I really sat there and was like I do not know (laughs) you know I know I'm good at running past people with the ball and I can score I know that but now that is sort of stopped so Going to um, Dulwich, they actually trained three days a week, which was fine because I trained in the morning. I was able to get to work in the afternoon because my company were very accommodating. Um, having, having left it, that was after Weymouth. So Weymouth, I still I wasn't working because I was fortunate enough to be able to play for Weymouth. Um, and then Dulwich, I started working, playing with them. 
and then to now where I am playing for Welling United, um, we train twice uh, a week in the night time. So, you know, seven o'clock um, on a Tuesday, Thursday and a game Saturday. So it helps me massively that I can work all week and still play. You know, I can still enjoy it. I can still get, you know, the feelings and the release that I need. So, yeah, it's, it's strange, but I enjoy it. What's the standard like down there? Is it decent? To be honest with you, when I got to Weymouth, when I went to Weymouth in the National League South, I was like, wow, I did not expect this at all. They played football, like really played football, and I just didn't expect it. Um, and it was good. You know, I went in there, helped them get promoted, went to Dulwich, well, I played against Dulwich, um, and I scored against them. But they, when we played against them, I was like, wow, these are good. And then actually going to play for them, it was like, these are actually a good side. Every team was good. It wasn't just get it and kick it and get after it. It was, they want to play football because everyone knows you play football, you go places. Don't get me wrong. You can have the old, um, you know, kick it up the top, turn and run after it. And, and, you know, teams win like that. But the standard is really good. And some of the players that I play with now, I actually, um, I've spoken to people at Motherwell about these players and I will continue to do so because I believe that they can come and play. And if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put them forward. It's really interesting you mentioned that because I feel that as a Scottish football fan living in Scotland, you see Motherwell and teams like Motherwell of that size mm-hmm. signing players from you know the National League and straight yep. away fans are thinking, oh, what's that all about? Exactly. And that is, um, I actually had that thought in my mind with Motherwell recently. They'd signed someone and I'm like, how? <laughs> I was like, in my mind, I'm going, I'm here. Like, that, that's what I'm saying. That's what I said to myself. Uh, but, you know, it, like I say, you know, things happen, but, you know, the, you, the scouting network and the, the money that the club have got have to work somewhere. Where do they, where can they find their gems? Marvin Johnson. Do you know what I mean? Louis Moult. Where did they find their gems? Do you know what I mean? So these are the, these are the places, you know, that you have to go to find the gems and all you need to do is polish them up and then they go on, you know, they make the club money and it's, it's happy for everyone. But I think in the National South, there is, I've not played in the North, but I believe in the North as well that there is a lot of good players out there. And I, and I think the way to look at it as well is, maybe this is me being, being harsh, but I sometimes think when you get these players that are playing at that level, and like yourself, you know, they're, they're working Monday to Friday, you know, mm-hmm. and then they're going out in the evenings and they're training on a Saturday, they've not got much mm-hmm. spare time, you know, they're knackered. And, and these people yep. have got real life experience that when mm-hmm. they get that taste of professional football, they appreciate it slightly more. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, if I could, if I could step back into a professional football club now, I would love it, and I would, I'd grace every step in that training ground or wherever it may be. Like, but you do like now. I am living a normal life, and I know that sounds crazy, but I've lived in a bubble all my life, and that's crazy because I know that. And but now I appreciate life a lot more when I see certain things at work and stuff, and the things I'm going through. It's like right now I've got to deal with this situation, and then you got to move on. You know, with football, it's like, yeah, you win, you lose, you draw. That's all right. I'm back out on the pitch tomorrow. You know what I mean? You, you know, you get another opportunity. Sometimes in real life, you don't get the opportunity. You get sacked from your job, you get sacked from your job. Yes, you can get sacked from football, but the likelihood is you know someone that knows someone that knows someone yeah. and then you're, you're, fine. you're okay. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, the real life experience is what I've witnessed and, and been through. You know, I'm thankful for Um but yeah, the players come in. I know players that would literally walk to Scotland now for a trial. They would pay their own way for a trial, whether it be a hotel travel, they would do it. They just, 
it's just getting the opportunity. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned that because it, it leads us probably on nicely to your time at Motherwell, I know, because I think you've been at some some big clubs, you know, playing in League One, League Two, Championship, and, and obviously coming through at Derby as well. And maybe at that time in your career, was there a time where you're thinking, oh, I'm not sure about going to Scotland? When you hear the interest there, is there doubt? Yeah, you know what? I used to see, you know, um, the old um, score centre on TV, you know, the Iron Brew Premiership and all that, and it was like, St. Mirren won and Motherwell nil and St. Johnston. I'm like looking at his teams going, no, nah, I'm at Hereford or I'm at Watford and yeah. I'm at Derby. I'm not. And then it got to, I was 24. At 24, I was kind of at a little crossroads in my life, if I'm honest with you. Like, as crazy as it sounds, I was at a big crossroads. Yeah. And my agent at the time, um, it was Chris Greenall, he said to me, he said, uh, Motherwell are interested. And I was at... Rotherham at the time so I moved from Shrewsbury to Rotherham and he said oh well Motherwell are interested in you I was like okay so I checked the fixture straight away and it was the week they played Krasendor oh Krasendor yep in Europe yeah yeah they played played that game and I was like right they want me Rotherham don't want me I need to try and get there before this game it's Europe I need to try and get there and it didn't happen that week it was like a few weeks later Um, but I heard the interest and it wasn't it wasn't straight away of nah, I don't want to go up there. It was, okay, let me look at my situation now. Who do I know that's played up in Scotland? You know, and at that time, I knew Kelvin Wilson. Yes, Kelvin Wilson playing for Celtic, you know, a big club up there. What's the football like? You know, um, it was one of them I thought, nah, I've, it's, it's something I want to do. And if I'm honest, if I'd have been offered that opportunity, what, like I can now say, if I've been offered that opportunity a year or two or three before, I think it would have been a completely different story. I would have been up there for a lot longer and probably finished up there, if yeah. I'm honest. Yeah, and it was initial, initially a six-month loan deal, wasn't it? We then extended to the, the end of the season? Yeah, yeah. So I got the, the, the loan The loan move um, happened and it got to the point where uh, McCall wanted to, Stuart McCall wanted to extend it. And uh, I've got, well, at the time, the old manager was um, Steve Evans. Yeah. So... Uh, you know, less said about him, the better. Um, and he was playing hardball. You know, Stuart McCall called me and he's like, they're trying to up the, um, how much we're paying, uh, like how much they want paying or they're going to send you back. And, you know, my agent's getting the, I'll bring him back and he'll run hills and this and that. Now me, I did that before I left. So I was like, I'll come back and do whatever you want me to do. I do not mind. You know, there's no way I'm going to throw away money back to you for you wanting me out. I've not done anything wrong. And um, they were like, oh, they want more. And McCall went, we're going to do it. And I was like, brilliant, thank you. And then, you know, I went on to have a good career in Scottish football. Like I would I would say it was a good career in Scottish football. What was your first impressions of McCall when you came in? Because he's quite the character. Yeah, yeah. No, what you know what? Um, one of the best managers I've ever had. Really? Ever had on a, on, a, on a human level of, yes, if you're not doing it on the pitch, you need to be told he would tell you. If you lost on a Saturday and you scored three own goals and you got a red card and you threw your toys out of the pram, yes, in that moment, yeah, it's not good enough. But on the Monday morning, how are you doing? You're right, everything good. How's your family? All right, brilliant. Let's go. So it was that dealing with people once again, the human side of, of football, not the commodity that shone through for me. Um, he was good at his job. Um, so it was really sad to see when when he left and how he left because I had a chat with him and you know it was really sad, but. You know, he's great manager, done great things in the game himself and he's done great things as a manager for Motherwell and other clubs. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I just think that the Macaulay era, as a Motherwell fan, you know, has, has been a real, don't get me wrong, there was, there was struggles there at times, but there was a real golden period. And I think in hindsight, we, we realise that. And in my opinion, it was because there was a lot of good characters in the dressing room as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the year, uh, the time I came in, I think you had um, people like Chris Humphreys, um, Peter Hartley. No, was it Pete Hartley there before? No, Pete Hartley was after. Sorry, Pete Hartley was after. But um, you had like some good, good players there and they done really well, you know, getting to um, Europe and stuff as well. And that obviously he's gone and somewhat sourced as players that he wants to use and, and move forward and done really well. And the time, the time I came in, I've walked into a change room and I'm sitting next to Lee Hollis. Now, I didn't realise how <laughs> funny Lee Hollis was until, you know, a few weeks later when I'm sitting there and he's done something. I'm like, is this guy for real? <laughs> but it was funny. Do you know what I mean? And then I realised, you know, you, you Keith Leslie, Stuart Carswells, you know, younger boys like uh, Sam Moore, uh, you know, uh, Craig Moore, sorry, not Sam, um, Craig Moore, uh, Dominic Thomas. You know what I mean? You had some good characters there as well as, you know, Paul Lawson, Ian Vigus, you know, John Sutton, even himself, you know, yeah. quiet at times, but comes out with a few, you know what I mean? But it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Like for, for, the, for that time, that period, I think it was one of the best teams I've played in and I've really enjoyed it. I think, you know, when, when you first came in, that was arguably your, your best time in terms of goals returns as well. You know, it was, you hit the ground running, if I'm right. Was it Dundee United you scored your first goal against? Yeah, yeah. So Dundee United, I got uh, probably about a 25, 30-yard tapping. Yeah. So that set me on there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was, um, it, you know what, I was on the bench and I, uh, I remember coming on and yeah. I remember F- Faddy running on and it was a goal kick, and it's come out, like it's gone over, and it's bounced back. And for some reason, someone somewhere said, touch and hit. So I thought, you don't buy a ticket, you don't win the lottery, you know. And <laughs> I've hit it. Yeah, I've hit it, and it's gone in, you know what I mean? So for my you know, introduction to Scottish football was, hello, I'm here, you know, I'll take it. And I really enjoyed it, still enjoy it to today. Was uh, you mentioned Lasley and Hamill and the likes there? Were they quite influential in helping you settle? Because they were obviously the, the older heads around the dressing room at the time. Yeah, massively. I mean, obviously, my fiance came up a little bit later, um, and it was just me and her. Uh, but what that club done for us personally and other couples that we saw was they brought everybody together to, and it, it, to to make you understand. Yes, this is football, but this is a family. This club is a family, and. You know, Keith Leslie would have his um, annual barbecues, which everyone was invited to, you know, and it was it was amazing because I've never been invited to anything like that at any other club. And I still mm. haven't to today. It, really, honestly, mm. it wasn't no. I mean, because you get the boys, it's like, oh, right, we're yeah, let's we're going out team bonding. All right, brilliant. We're going out for a drink. All right, great. Do you know what I mean? And then it's like the girls would go and do what they're doing. It was never together. So it was actually really nice. Uh, We've done that a few times. Um, and it did help us settle in, you know, the, the older families and that were nice and welcoming and couldn't have asked for anything more. That's brilliant. It's, it's great to hear that, actually, I think, as a Motherwell fan as well. And, and you'd like to think that when these former players like yourself and others that have came and gone go away and, and they're asked about Motherwell, you know, they've got mm-hmm. this good impression. As you said earlier on, there's, there's players that you'd recommend to Motherwell and you'd say... 100%, 100%. I mean, when I, when I got the shout for Scotland, in my mind, there was things going through my mind where I was going, right... Scotland, never been there before. What's it going to be like? Will this happen? Will that happen? And I come up there and literally everything I was thinking, it's like, there's just nothing, just nothing like I thought. Mm. Absolutely. 
I would literally sit in here right now, hand on my heart, which is obviously this side, the camera's flipped, right? <laughs> hand on my heart would move back up to Scotland tomorrow. I would move back up to Scotland tomorrow because we as a family love the place so yep. much, so much, honestly. Do you have any regrets, regrets about going away? I mean, obviously we'll touch a bit more on your motherboard career, but I mean, when you were leaving, it was almost like, the way the media reported it was, you know, you got offered the contract, the terms weren't as good, mm-hmm. and you went down to Plymouth. Do you regret that? Yeah. See, this is this is the thing, and that's that's how it's always glossed up to be. You know, yes, I got offered a contract, um, and at the time, obviously, the manager Stephen Robson knew I had interest, and I think it was more of a. Listen, I'm all for if you if you you know if you've done your job and you want to move in a different direction then you've done that, you know, and I think that was the way the club wanted to go. It's not a problem by myself, but when you, you get offered a contract, so I always turned it down, he's gone here and there. I got offered a one-year contract. It was on, you know, reduced terms and it wasn't just reduced terms just then and that was it. It was reduced terms then and then we went to play in Vanessa Way and then in the morning, it's even more reduced terms and I'm sitting there like, we've got a game later on. What's, do you know what I mean? And yeah. Then it was like, well, I've been presented with an opportunity to go back into English football on a two-year contract, closer to home for me and my family. I've got to do it. I've got to take the opportunity, you know, because you don't get the opportunity. Yeah. And that was what we done. It was for us. It wasn't because I didn't like the club or didn't want to be there. Um, you know, I, I backed myself, but at the same time, it's a short career and you've got to do what you, you, you've got to do, you know. So, but that was, it was hard to leave. It was hard to leave, but it always, most of these situations, excuse me, get glossed up to be, we offered him a deal, he turned it down and yeah. that's it, you know, but it was a little bit more than that. Personally, it was a little bit more than that, that it was, like I said, it was reduced, 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 like, there's only so much you can do when, so when I'm saying that takes me to 31, when I'm sitting at 33, you know, not in the professional game anymore, you know, so that's how, that's how quick it can happen. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the, the good times a bit better, Lionel, because you, we talked that you mm-hmm. came in on, on loan at first and you scored your four mm-hmm. goals and four appearances and the, the loan get extended. But, you know, once yeah. you signed your permanent deal, you, you talked about being a bit gutted about missing out on that Krasnodar game, but you were in Europe again the, the following season. Yes, and if I remember rightly, I saw you in the front row when I knocked that one in in Iceland, <laughs> you know, screaming, going mad. So it was really, actually, I don't know whether you were there or you were behind the fence because they couldn't, like, all the fans yeah, couldn't get in. Same, yeah, but um, yeah, no, it was, it was amazing. Like, how we, how we finished that season <clears throat> against Aberdeen, I didn't understand the severity of it going on. Not understand the severity, I knew, it, oh, let's, it was, it was, uh, if we win this game, we get an extra week off. Brilliant. I can go on another holiday. And that's what it was. But the way the game was played, um, and we've gone up to Aberdeen, Ryan Jack uh, full-on deaded my leg and I could not move literally 10-15 minutes in and I'm raging. I'm yeah. raging. I couldn't believe it. I come off. I couldn't go on. But the way the boys went and done it, you know, was Keith Lasley free-kicking. I think it was Keith Lasley free-kicking bounce on the edge of the box, hit the bar. John Sutton, was it a foul? Wasn't it a foul? <laughs> Craig Reed, was it a handball? Wasn't it a handball? Goal, 1-0, the whistle goes and you, you finish second to Celtic. Do you know what I mean? It was absolutely amazing and the bus journey on the way back was brilliant but celebrating with the fans at that moment in time, although I'd only played, you know, 10, 15 minutes, it was like, it was amazing to be a part of, you know, and I really enjoyed it which obviously took us on into Europe. 
What was the you touched on it there? What was the the bus journey like in the way back? It was it was okay. I mean, I think it could have been better. It was okay, but I think we were all thinking, "Oh, we've got three hours here. Let's just get us home." But it was uh, it was brilliant. There's a few sing songs going along and that you know a bit of banter. Um, but yeah, it was enjoyable. It was enjoyable. What, what's your song of choice? What were you singing? Oh, they were just. At the, I, I wouldn't like to say <laughs> at this moment of time they were just you know singing a couple of songs that were you know pretty joyful and uh, we had a bit of fun. So I still good. remember that Lionel very fondly, and I actually think as a Motherwell fan, it was yeah. that was one of my favourite days. You know, and it's funny that you look at it in a different way. You're thinking, oh no, there's three hours in this bus home, whereas <laughs> you're thinking, yes, there's three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. No, I can understand that. I can see that because. The passion from you guys, like I say, and I say you guys, and you know, I know you personally, and I see you at the club and speak to you, and like what you've done in that corner, in that section, just made our club. You know, it, as well as the other fans, it just made it that more. Oh, let's go there. You know, the Motherwell boys are there and they're singing along and they don't stop, and that's what drove us on, and that's what gave us the the extra energy to go and you know be as good as we could be. It's great to hear that. It's positive because I think sometimes you know. Without going off on a tangent, I think some mm-hmm. old clubs take that for granted. You know, if there's young fans there mm-hmm. wanting to create an atmosphere, they think, mm-hmm. ah, a bit boisterous, a bit noisy, a bit, yeah. you know. Whereas Mother will yeah. say, yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you have to. You have to. Everybody deserves the opportunity to support a football team. And if you're passionate about that, then you're passionate about that. You know, as long as it doesn't spill over and get silly, you're allowed to cheer and sing your songs. You know, I, I heard a song about Rob McHugh at one point that obviously was like, wow, that was a bit of a different song you know I've heard songs of myself and you know it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant to hear was it see when you hear songs about yourself how, how mm. do you take it like are you are you chuffed or are you cringing or what, what's your thoughts no I'm, you know what you start singing itself <laughs> <laughs> but, but a few like you know you start singing itself and then like say um what is it uh twist and shake is it twist and shake okay, yeah. that's it twist and shake brilliant you know what I mean in your mind you're just singing it along yourself you know so it's, it's absolutely amazing. Like, it really is good. And like I said, I've had a few songs and no, I enjoy them. I enjoy them. So the next year, you, you touched on that Iceland game and mm-hmm. from such a high in Aberdeen, Lionel, I'm not going to lie, that flight home was a nightmare. It was brutal. Yeah, I mean, I remember getting back to uh, to the airport. I remember being at the airport at the time, uh, coming back, obviously, after everything had happened. But to go, to be at home um, and draw 2-2, which yes. is obviously good. Josh Law um, grabbing a goal. I think he got two. Got two, yeah. I think that yeah, was... Josh Law. Yeah, Josh Law. Yeah, yeah, his debut, he got two. And then uh, the dreaded Keith Lasley penalty. That's right. And it was like, they got another one. And then we go over there and the dreaded Keith Lasley penalty again. And it's like, ah, this can't be happening. Yeah. And then with, with 13 minutes to go, the ball's... Someone's got it on the left-hand side. I don't know whether it was Zane or Hammy. They've got the ball, they've gone. They've stood it up. And I've gone past the post and I've knocked it in and just turned and sprinted off. I was wearing my yellow boots, sprinted off, thinking we've won it. We're brilliant. 2-1. Yeah. And then 30 minutes, I come off. Uh, manager makes a change, more defensive at the time. Player wasn't playing defensive. He was attacking. And they just, they come out with uh, an absolute wonder goal in the middle of the park. Bang. Over Twardzik in 2-2 and then next minute they get another goal and you're like no this got I came off with 13 minutes we needed to see it out and yeah. unfortunately we couldn't do that but that's football they went on to have a hell of a run by the way to 
beat us. Then they played Lech Poznan. They beat them, and they went on to play Milan. Inter Milan. Yeah, at the San Siro. So it's not bad. You know what I mean for them, and that would have been absolutely amazing if we could have done that. But as it is, it's football, and you just like I say, you just you're sad for a little bit, but you move on. You know, it's a great experience. I think that's what made it harder to take when you you seen the draw that they got in the next couple of rounds, and they're they're playing Lech Poznan and then Inter Milan. And, I've still got these flashbacks of potentially watching another one <laughs> in the San Siro that never happened. Oh, that would have been amazing. That would have been, honestly, on a personal level, that would have been amazing. But you know what? To even for the fight and, and blood, sweat and tears that we've done to get to that situation was, you know, surpassed all of our expectations, if I'm honest. So, you know, we'll take what we can. You mentioned earlier, you know, about, about McCall leaving as well and, and you had a word with him and it was, it was quite mm-hmm. hard. I mean, he was a manager that brought you there, so it must have been... Quite challenging to see a manager like that go that you've got a great affinity for. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I say, he, he brought me up there and he was, like I say, he was 100% honest with me and everything and he looked after us as players and, you know, cared about us and our families as well, which it was just one of them because we wasn't doing well. Like, whatever we tried to do, it just wasn't going well and I think that weighed heavy on his shoulders because he's the one trying to make it go well as much as we're out there. Uh, and like I said, the chat with him, I went in his office and, you know, we're just sitting there and he's like, you know, it's just I, I, what I can't do anymore. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, nah, I get it. It's sad. It's horrible, you know, but we shake hands and, you know, we wish each other the best. And, you know, I think the way he did it was probably the right way rather than, you know, getting the boot, if I'm honest. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did they, did they speak to the, the team as a whole or did they take you in individually? Or? Um. As I remember it, it was very emotional. As I remember it, I think, I can't remember whether there was a team meeting, but I think there was a few individuals and then it, you know, it happened. I think it was more individuals than, than a team meeting. I mean, I've had managers, obviously, that do have team meetings and you're sitting there and you know what's coming. Do you know what I mean? So, but in that situation, it weren't that. It was more one-on-one. What was your thoughts then when, when Barraclough came in? Because that was a, a total change. Maybe a name that you might have heard of from, from down south, but certainly I think fans... <coughs> Didn't have a clue who he was at first. Um, yeah, so, so I'm sort of similar to the fans at the time, very similar. Um, and then obviously do a little bit of research, Notts County and Scumthorpe and stuff. And it's like, okay. Um, but when he came in playing-wise, I couldn't understand what he wanted from me. And I know that sounds crazy because you're telling a, an attacking... I'm, I am an attacker. Attack, attack, attack. If you want me to defend it's going to get a little bit... Like, if you play me at right back, I'm probably going to give away penalties and all the rest, right? But he wanted me to play in a position where it was, you know, further back, but still in a position to attack. And I was trying to figure it out. And it must have been must have been about three, four games I wasn't playing. And I was in and out and not coming on and coming on for a little bit. And then, I, you know, it was one day I just I had to knock on his door. And I said, like, like literally I knocked on his door, sat there and um, Robert was there, Steve Robertson was there and he went to go out. I said, no, you can stay. I said, not a problem. Um, I just said like, the way you want me to play, I don't understand it. I said, as it is, I'm not playing. I'm in the last year of my contract. I've got a baby on the way and, you know, I need to be playing football. And we had a little chat and he was like, okay, it, you know, we finished it. And then that Tuesday, um, we played Hamilton at home. And I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, it clicked because we won 4-0, scored two, set one up. And then it's like the rest of it was like, oh, I got it now. I understand it. And then I went on to play every game and be one of his first picks on the team sheet. Mm. It was a difficult season, Lionel. And I suppose, you know, 
ended very happily and and that's probably my you'll have many goals that you'll you'll remember you know the one at Dundee United the free kick against mm-hmm. Kelly the goal against Dakies outside the box as well but yeah. for me my favourite goals for you in a Motherwell shirt was certainly the one at Ibrox in the playoff but mm-hmm. before we get there I mean it must have been a big weight in your shoulders going into that game you must have felt the pressure yeah it was the season wasn't going well we was picking up a few wins here and there and I remember playing a big game against Kilmarnock at home and I remember uh, Scotty playing me through and I've cut back and I've scored and it was like, yes, we've won, but we were still down the bottom and then it ultimately came to it that we were in the playoff place. Um, and then you obviously hear, right, Rangers are on the ascend, yeah. whereas it is on the descend and it's it's like, oh, what's this going to be like? Because yes, they are good. They are good. Yeah. But then I think I looked at it from my point of view and went, no, we've got a good team. We've got a good team. So I knew we had a chance. I just didn't realise it would turn out the way it did because the way it turned out was unbelievable. I mean, as as nice as it was to win them two games, we should have never been in that situation. But if that's the way you're going to have to uh, win and stay up and a team to beat, that's how you'd want it. What were you thinking when you around the club at that time, you know, in in the lead up to the game? Is is there... Is there a negativity? Because the club haven't been doing well. You know, the players, the results haven't been coming on the pitch. But it seemed when you went out there, that it was full of belief. And we're thinking, where were these performances the last few months? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know what? I think there was, <clears throat> it weren't personally and around around the boys and stuff, there weren't any negative thoughts. It was like, we knew we were good. It was just, we was on a bad run. It was just a bad run. And um, uh, Robbo kept the morale high along with the gaffer. You know, there was never no days where people were arguing each other. It was always like, let's keep this morale high. Um, and I'm not sure, but it might have been, for me, it might have been, uh, I'd not long had a baby girl and I've had sleepless nights and then they said, we're going to stay in a hotel. And I was like, brilliant, <laughs> let's stay in a hotel. So we did that and obviously went to the game the next day, but we knew we was in for a test. And then when we've gone out there and we sort of settled into the game, 10, 15 minutes and, you know, Josh gives that ball to Leo and he cuts in and he hits it and we get the deflection and it's a goal. You're like, okay, we've scored, you know, right now let's keep momentum going, but obviously be aware of what they're capable of. And we just went on and on and on. And when you, you go and win the game three, one, yes. When they score, you know, the crowd go wild and you can't hear a thing. You can't hear a thing. It's like, all right, do they have a chance? In my mind, I'm saying we're winning three, one in the first leg. I don't believe they've got a chance. That's yeah. that honest and in my heart, honest truth. So when I'm getting interviewed after the game, obviously for man of the match and saying, oh yeah, they scored the goal, I, you have to go along with, yes, they've got a chance. And But personally, I thought we're winning 3-1. They've got to score three goals to beat us. Surely we're not going to concede three. <laughs> yeah. As good as they are, surely we're not. And then, you know, after that game, it was right up, obviously in the driving seat. No one expected it. And we come and play the game at home, you know, sun shining. And then they have to go plan A, B, C and D straight up, which allowed us. And as you see from the highlights of Marvin Johnson, just getting that ball and just keep on running and running. They could not handle it. They couldn't handle it from no matter what we was doing. You know, me and Marvin on the wings, Scott McDonald, you know, they they couldn't handle our, our normal plan, which should have been there early on in the season. But it just so happened it was that day. This was our plan. And, you know, we go and win the second leg three 0 It was, it was just, it was unbelievable. You know, six one on aggregate is unheard of. 
It is true that you mentioned that, you know, that it could have came earlier in the season. Because when I look at that team and you mentioned, you know, Marvin Johnson, yourself, Scott McDonald, Big McManus at the back, you yep. know, Pearson, Pearson Lasley, Hamill, yep, yep. Yep, wonder, I can't believe we were in that position, but you know, mm. let's not go down that route. Talk me through that goal. <laughs> what, were you, what were you thinking? Um, I thought Leo Wynn's got the ball and he ain't going to give it me <laughs> because I, I thought as soon as he got that ball, he is not going to give it me. I remember the ball breaking. Piero uh, done well, Stephen Pearson done so well to cut at the ball and then get the touch away from the player um, because he, the player tried to bring him down and he's gone. And I thought, right, just rockets on. And I just, if you see in the, the replay, you just see me running at the side of Piero and then I just run. He gives the ball there and I go that way and I'm pointing, give me the ball now. And Leo has touched it inside and held it and I thought, just run beyond with your hand and point. And he's given it me. And I thought, just shoot. I knew I was near the box, just shoot. And I've hit it and it's gone in bottom corner past uh, Cammy Bell and, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> so, celebration as well. Running over to the Motherwell crowd in the corner was, was brilliant. You know what it was? It was, it was what, 49,000 there and we had 900 fans. It was like, you know, yes, we filled it out. I would love more fans to be there, but it was just silencing them. You know, I've seen a few, a few replays from different angles of, you know, of the, of the Rangers fans and they weren't happy. But I mean, I think we deserved it massively. And I, I should have scored another one, actually. That's right. I should have put the tie to bed. I should have scored another one. I think I leant too far back. But I'll take my one goal. It's first fine. <laughs> I actually remember getting into the game on the Sunday, and even though we were up three one, I wasn't as confident as you, Lionel. I was still worried, and even when we were winning on the Sunday, I was thinking they could still come back. But it just didn't. Yeah, happen. I suppose it's obviously because of the club that Rangers are and the players that they've had in the past, and them players what they had were good. But obviously on that day we were just better. You know, um, you hear like you hear the murmurs of, oh, do you know what the the money they're going to get if they beat us and this and that, and then to what we're going to get if we beat them? It's like ridiculous. I'm like, is this actually happening? And then we go and do it. You know, it's like, well, that's football for you. You know, you never know until that until that final whistle's gone. You know, it was uh, it was, like I say, it was an amazing feeling. It was. I think your goal on the second leg might might have took a deflection. Might have. It was on target. It was on target. <laughs> it was on target. So. <laughs> Yeah, so it was one of them again. I found myself as Marvin on the ball, and he's done brilliant, and he's broke, and he's broke, and I'm like, give me the, I'm screaming, give me the ball because he's from the side, and he's he's took it, and I understand what he's doing. He's trying to commit someone to come to him so then he could play it. He done that. The ball sort of got stuck under my feet, but I managed to get a decent connection on it, and I think it might have been going away from Campbell in the far corner, which the way he was sort of going, and then it hit. Um, Zaliukas. Right, yep. Yep, rested, so, anyway. And it was, um, like, he's hit it. I've hit it and it's come off him and it's gone in and I thought, brilliant. It was on target, but I thought, brilliant, it's another goal, you know. That's it. I can't talk about that game without asking you if you've you've still got the boxing gloves from after it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know what? I think Craig Moore's got them. I think he's got them, so I'll have to get him to sign them and send you a pair. <laughs> yeah, um, crazy, crazy, crazy scenes after. Not what we wanted, um, but, you know, when, when one of your players goes to, you know, say congratulate, but when you when your player says, oh, well done, and somebody doesn't want to shake your hand, and then you go, all right, well, F you then, and you get kicked for it and then punched, it's like, well, hang about, what's happened there? So natural reaction was... You know, that was my reaction. Is my teammate, and we don't leave anyone in the trenches. Totally. It seemed like you were the first one in, though. Yeah, I think there was uh, me and Craig Moore were there. We were there very close. Um, 
and it just all happened so quick. And but it's like, like I'd heard so many stories about that player years before. I had people in my family that worked with him and just you know would oh, say, really? yeah. yeah, yeah, at South End. So right. it was very bit of a you know on a that would have been more of a um, a regular occurrence for him to be like that, you know, in certain <laughs> yeah. situations. So you know, but obviously it's not it's not what I wanted to put out there or whatnot, but. Like I say, one of my friends in the trenches have got to go and help him. I'll always remember the, the image as well, Lee after the game, and it was like the big punch coming in. And It's one of the... He, I sent him that picture about four or five times after that. It's brilliant. <laughs> you know, Lee, he's just a funny guy. At the time, he was like 20, 21. Last game for Motherwell, obviously moving down to Leeds. But it was it was funny. That bit was funny, but the whole thing was, you know, probably left a bit of a sour taste. When you're when you're talking to your friends and, and your family down south, and you say that you're you're playing against Rangers, Ibrox in the playoff, is is there an interest for them? Is there, is there quite a lot of them wanting to tune in? And yeah, yeah, of course, because obviously they know Rangers. Everyone knows Rangers, and it's like obviously they know me, so it's like oh, you're playing against them, brilliant. Probably thinking you're going to get beat, <laughs> you know, and then the surprise and the shock that wow, wait there, my my son, my brother, and my friend has just scored against Rangers not once but twice, you know, and <laughs> you know in front of forty nine thousand people, it's like wow like it's amazing so there is there is a lot of interest there's a lot more interest nowadays as well than you know there was back then did you then sign a two-year deal after that game after that season was that yes yes so i remember being at the airport and um coming uh flying up to meet my agent uh peter mclean at the time and it was then that i had obviously sorted everything out and i knew that i was going to sign a two-year um and then we got it done you know it was probably one of the it was probably one of the best things I'd done to be honest with you yes I'd done well the first like the two seasons so was there any other options out there there was a few but you know it made sense for me to stay where I was it seemed like you were you were very settled yeah very settled I enjoyed the place enjoyed the people enjoyed what the club done for me and I like to think I repaid that to the club a couple of times in in stuff that I'd done on the pitch you know in helping them keep their premiership status alive and you know, it just it just worked. It just it just felt natural and worked like both ways. After the the playoff, were, were you surprised that that Ian and, and Robbo stayed, or were you thinking that they might they might go, or what was your thoughts after that? Um, no, I, I don't know. It was a it was a strange one because it wasn't long after when we got back that they you know left. Um, but there was no, there was there wasn't even any thought of that. I think we were just still basking in the glory of being Rangers. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. I do remember that last game though when. I think it was in Barakov's last game. Was it in Morton in the cup? Yes, yes, Morton. Yeah, it was going into that game was so strange because we had, I think it was seven subs at the time he was a lad, or even if it was five, but there was myself, um, Keith Lasley, Louis Malt, I'm not sure, Scott McDonald. I think there was about the bench as well, are you? Yeah, I think there was four or five of us. That were on the bench, and I understand you're giving people opportunities and that, but we want to get through to the, you know, the the next one. We want to get through to the final, so go with your strongest. Yeah. And I remember he brought me on, and I've come on and I've set up the goal, and I've set up the goal, and then it got to extra time. I think it went to extra time, yeah. And then, you know, I've gone over, got a drink, and he's 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 trying to talk to me, and I was like, you know, I'm walking this way, he's behind me. He's like, I was, I'm like, bring me on earlier, we win the game. That's what I said, yeah. you know. And then we eventually go and lose. And believe it or not, I got I got blamed, well, somewhat blamed for the goal. Although Kieran Kennedy shouldn't have been running with the ball and doing what he'd done, which is what I said in the changing room. 
Mm. And then um, I, me and Robbo get into it. You know, Robbo's come towards me. I'm like, me, not me. And then, you know, little altercation. Um, and then it died down quick. And it was, it was one of them, we're out of the cup. And at that time, I'm going, you play your strongest team. We beat Morton and we go through. And that's not what we've done. Yeah, the atmosphere that night was it was hostile to say the least, and I think that came from the fact that you were looking at the bench and you're thinking, "Yeah, what's going there's on?" There's about five, there's about five or six first team players that would play every week. Now I get it, it's a cup and you want to give people opportunities. I get that, but when there's a cup at stake, I believe you should go with your strongest. I think after after the match, you know, you touched on that altercation with Robo and, and whatever else, but there was there were so many Chinese whispers going around social media and in the forums and stuff. So I was I was wondering what your take on it was. Yeah, no, um, you know what? I, I was, I'm not on social media, not been on there for years, so I don't know, obviously, all that. But, yeah, there was a little... It, I, I, for some reason, I don't understand how I got the blame for it. Like, that's what I don't understand. But, you know, yeah, I did say I had my say, and, you know, the next day is, you know, whatever's happened's happened. Did, did, you, did you think it was the right time for him to go then, after that? Because I remember the fans were... They were singing for his... Being for his blood at the end yeah, of Yeah, probably. Probably, I mean... The way it went, yes, we had a good couple of days in beating Rangers, but then it just carried on and it just yeah. wasn't any good. So I think it might have been, you know, the right time for a change, whether that be managers or players. I need to ask you then about Mark McGee, because obviously it divides opinion in the moral support. How, how was it with yourself? Ah, so this smile <laughs> is uh, not a smile of uh, happy smiles and, and whatnot, you know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, very strange for me that uh, obviously the club appoint them again, if I'm honest, from obviously what happened before. Yeah. But um, not a lot to say, to be honest. When someone's trying to, it feels like they're personally trying to sabotage you, I don't really hold them in high regard, if I'm honest. Did so, you, you know, that, was, was, it, that, was there a personal thing there, do you think? What was... um, pers- on his behalf, I personally think there was. Yeah. I personally think there was. It was It was just all the time, Lionel, 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 Lionel. It was like, Nah, this is getting beyond a joke now. You know, when there was a there was a point where, you know, I had to do what I had to do. I had to pull him up on it, and it was away at Dundee. Um, and I remember one of our players that was sort of like involved with the coaching staff just standing there with his head down to the floor because what I was saying sort of hit home. It was true, and everyone could see it. I used to have Louis Moult say to me, and he used to say to my fiance, he used to say. I do not know how you're how you're doing it, Lionel. He said because if this was me, I would have lost my head a long time ago. Yeah. Like this is, like it was just I don't know. It was just so many things that it was always me, and it was like, what have I, I actually tried to think about? What have I done to this person for it to be like this? And ultimately, when I'm needed, you know, I'm I'm playing, I'm scoring goals, and it's all rosy on his behalf. But I never forget what you know you what it felt like you were trying to do. Yeah, I mean, so, it's good to hear that the likes of, the likes of Louis Moult was looking out mm-hmm. for you as well, but was was there any other players at that time that, that stood up for you? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I stood up for myself in that in, in that respect, and like, Louis was, Louis's a good friend of mine anyway, Louis and Marvin, I took them both under my wing when they got there, yeah. um, and it was just like, he just used to say, like, I don't know how you do it, he's like, I just don't know how you do it, um, but I had... I had Stevie Hamill having a little, I think we played a game, I had a little chat with him after the game and he's, he's just like, he went, you know what? He said, I don't think a lot of people at this club realise what you've done for the club. He said, so just remember, I appreciate what you've done. Yeah. And I was like, you know what I mean? I really appreciate that. You know, I helped 
preserved the club's premiership status twice, not just once. Twice. Do you know what I mean? And I'd actually done well in a Motherwell shirt. And I think, obviously, the higher that went with probably certain... That, that manager was... There's no respect there. There's no... It's just disregard for it. So it's like you've done nothing and, you know, but Stevie Hamill said that and it, it touched and that sticks with me to, the, uh, to today. So I feel as if, you know, when I look back in your, your career at Motherwell, you know, I think that the fans, you know, all look at it in a, a very positive light and, and everyone would have you back at Fir Park any day of the week. But I, I feel that it's been a bit of a roller coaster for you as well because there was times like the Rangers game and, and times when, you know, some of the goals that we spoke about earlier that were, that were really high, but there must have been some real lows as well. And I, I remember an interview after Partick Thistle and I think it was in McGee's term and, and mm-hmm. I remember you saying you know like you lost the ball we lost a goal I actually mm-hmm. think it was Stephen Lawless who's, who's now at Motherwell that, that scored but yeah I remember, yeah I remember reading it and it was like you were saying I was broke down to tears in the dressing room and I just... yeah you know what it wasn't it wasn't in the dressing room it was a it was a build-up of everything as it was I wasn't playing I was in and out and everything when I am playing it's you know him this and that and it's like what, how do I react in this situation? Because I can go mad and I can get sacked and I can go about it a different way, but I didn't. So it was a build-up of, I had come on, I'd got a touch on the ball. So the ball, whatever it had happened, I'd got a touch on the ball and something to do with Connor Ripley should have, um, Connor Ripley should have, well, not should have, but could have saved it. But it was sort of like a, a little, but obviously I got the blame for it. And I said, and I was like, you know what? I went in the interview and I done it, and I just it just brought me. It was anger more than anything. Yeah. It was anger. That's what I was saying to my fiance. That's what I used to do when I was angry. I'd cry and I'd get so angry. And that's when, fortunately, I've never ever gone. But in myself and my my being, I have felt that I could literally just red mist and go mad. You know, which like I said, it was a build up of all the things. And if you ever have Louis Moult on here or Marvin Johnson or any of them boys that are able to remember these things that I was going through with regards to somebody, you know, feeling like they're doing it to me. Like it was, it was anger more than anything. And still to this day, like, you know, when you talk about managers and I talk about Stuart McCall and I hold him in high regard and I talk about Ian Barraclough who I hold there, you know, like Mark McGee, not on the screen, if I'm honest with you, you know, and that's just, I don't know whether I'd be the only person that says that. And if I am, I am. But I think there's others that would, would say the same. I certainly think with the, the support, they'd probably agree with you. Well, you know, there was, I remember the protests outside the stadium not long after that, wanting them out. Of- yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was, I remember getting into training for about half past eight in the morning that day. Never get into training that early, ever. <laughs> um, it was pancake day and it was payday. <laughs> and uh, there was a meeting called. And truth be told, little birdie, you know, the whistled on my windowsill saying <laughs> what was happening. So I'm sitting there and, you know, it comes in and gives his speech and I'm just sitting there. And it was one of them, once he's gone out, I'm sitting there anyway. And I'm, I'm looking around at the boys. I'm going, and these boys, like, boys got their head down and this. And I'm going, okay. I've jumped up and gone and done whatever I needed to do because I didn't hold, he'd done nothing personally for me, personally done nothing for me. Um, and that is that's how I feel and if I'd seen him today tomorrow I'd say exactly the same if I needed to personally did nothing for me so nothing for some of these boys that are hanging their head down yes we've not done well but you know this is football this is what we're in you know someone's not going to be nice to you I'm not I'm not going to be nice to you if you're not nice to me you know if you if 
but I feel like you're, you know, trying to get at me. I'm, it is what it is, you know, whatever's happened to you might have been your fault, <laughs> you know, so it is what it is. And like I say, we move, um, well, I move on, you know, like I said, I hold managers in high regard and some I don't even put on there. You're not having them round for dinner then? <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, it, it won't get very close to my house ever, ever. <laughs> See when you talk about some of the players, you know, obviously you're you're good pals with, with Louis Moult and you know the the career he went on to have at Motherwell before going to Preston was fantastic. <coughs> and, you know the goals and the the, fight, the semi-finals, etc. Did you sometimes wish that you'd stuck around and played for longer with him? Yeah, well, I mean, like when he come in, like we're good friends actually. Me, him, Marvin, good friends. Like I said, I took him under my wing. I'd been here. I knew what it was about. They're from down the Midlands. Um, but I think Louis Louis process as well as Marvin's, but Louis process was from non league, non league, non like from Stoke to non league, non league, non league, and it took him a while to get to where he was, and it, it's a long time in the making for him to actually go and play in the championship because he'd done so so well with the goals that he scored. That's what he was paid for to go and score goals, and you know Barraclough brought him up there, and it was the belief in him that he had that could let him go out there and flourish, and you know he, he went on to be a championship player. I think you know, it, almost, just, it almost harks back to that point we, we touched on earlier that he's he's been there and he's been working Monday to Friday and playing football at the weekends and when he gets that chance he, he could see in his professionalism how much he appreciated it as well. That's it, exactly. He worked hard. He was one of the hardest workers. He was one of the hardest workers. Even when he was he had little knocks and niggles, he would just get on with it and he would work as hard as possible because he knew where he wanted to be and he knew where he could be. You know, So credit to him for where he's at. One final Touch on the, the Motherwell career line. What was your favourite goal? If you had to narrow it down. Favourite goal. Favourite goal. Mm. For, a, for a personal note, probably as mad as it sounds, like for a personal, I'm going to give you two here. But the first one, I'll probably say when I was able to tell the world that um, we was having a, a baby, like the three-month scan, I had that and I scored at St. Johnston and it was on TV. I've still got Keith Lasley rubbing the ball on the picture and all that business. Um, so that would be my first, obviously, my, my eldest, Sienna. Um, and then, I don't know, because I like the part at Thistle, because it was out of anger. It was out of anger that I'm on the bench and I've come on and I've, I just hit it out of anger. But I'd have to say Hamilton. I have to be Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. International goalkeeper in goal in McGovern. And, you know, you're playing your local rivals. Living in Hamilton for a bit as well, it's quite nice, you know what I mean? So I still go back around there to town and stuff, you know, see a few people and that. So I'll probably say Hamilton at home. Brilliant. Well, you know, it's been a, an absolute pleasure talking to you and thanks so much for your, your time. I hope that, you know, life will get better down in London in terms of the, the coronavirus and I hope that Liverpool improve for your happiness as well. <laughs> I'll still be wearing this top regardless. But no, thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate it. And like I say, many lovely memories of Scotland and uh, Mobile Football Club. And I appreciate your support all through the years and everybody else's too. I think we'll maybe see you back in Scotland one day doing the, the tailoring and plastering. <laughs> if not, I'll be I'll probably do the changing rooms. <laughs> uh, Brilliant. No, why not? It's a pleasure. Uh, and and thanks to everyone who's listened cheers. to this episode of the podcast. If you've not, uh, please go back and check some older ones uh, and like and subscribe. Cheers. Cheers.